This is Live Well Talk on colon cancer screening during COVID-19. I'm Dr. Dustin Arnold, Chief Medical Officer at United Point Health, St. Luke's Hospital. Since the onset of the COVID-19 pandemic, we've seen a decrease in the number of people receiving routine screening colonoscopies, as well as other routine health maintenance examinations. Returning to the podcast today, as we recognize Colon Cancer Awareness Month, is Dr. Dean Abramson with St. Luke's Gastroenterology to discuss the importance of not putting off your colonoscopy and what he's seen in his practice since the start of the pandemic. Dr. Abramson, welcome back. Thank you. I want to start off by reassuring people that the hospital is safe. Uh, we take precautions uh, and pre-procedure testing to assure we don't have transmission in the hospital. And uh, we have had one case in the last year that may have been acquired while the patient was here in the hospital. And there's some speculation that maybe it wasn't. But otherwise, we've not had hospital transmission. And I think that's important for people to understand that. And the, the, the fear of contracting COVID should not prevent someone from participating in health maintenance examinations or coming to, come to the hospital to get care. So I want to start off by saying, reassuring that, and I know you support that, and I know you've been a champion for this in the endoscopy suite. But what I would like to do today is take people through the options they have for preventing colon cancer. I mean, we know colon cancer is bad. Cancer is bad. Colon cancer is bad. But if I'm, if I'm a 50 or 45-year-old patient and I'm uh, faced with the uh, the need to have a, a screening colonoscopy, a screen for preventative care for colon cancer. What are my options? I see commercials on TV, and if it's on TV, it must be true, which we know that's not the case. That's a sarcastic comment on my part. But could you take us through what would be the options for that patient, whether it's stool studies or uh, visualization with colonoscopy? Sure. So, you know, first of all, to put the, uh, the disease in, you know, perspective, colon cancer is extremely common in the United States. Uh, it is the third leading cause of cancer, second leading cause of cancer death combined for men and women. So it's not a rare disease, and that's why we're talking about it today. And increasingly, we are seeing it in people under age 50, but, but clearly still 90% plus of cases are in the age 50 and over group. So we're targeting those people and perhaps starting at age 45, particularly for African-Americans who have increased risk. Uh, but there are a, a number of ways to screen for colon cancer and colon polyps. Colon cancer is pretty unique amongst the cancers in that there's a lesion that precedes the cancer itself in 95% plus of cases, and that's the colon polyp, which is a benign precancerous growth. Uh, and they take various forms from mushroom shape to extremely flat and subtle. But the whole idea is that we can prevent most colon cancer by intervening and removing these polyps before they become cancers. So unlike other types of cancers we talk about, we, we are actually talking about prevention by removing those lesions, as well as detection. Uh, like all cancers, early detection is key. Uh, and that's certainly the case for colon cancer because a early stage colon cancer is treatable for cure at least 75% of the time, late stage, People are living longer, but they are not cured and ultimately do succumb. So we have a, a number of strategies for trying to screen for cancer and, can, and colon polyps. Uh, 
And these include non-invasive testing, the one that Dr. Arnold's referring to uh, that has abundant television commercials is the little man in the box. Uh, that's called a color guard test. And color guard tests combine a test for uh, blood in the stool and a test for DNA in the stool, the DNA being shed by polyps and by cancers. Uh, so that's the test that typically you might be offered every third year as a screening test. Uh, the other very common test that you could be offered that's non-invasive is a test for blood in the stool. So you may ask, you know, well, I could see blood in the stool. Well, most blood that's shed by polyps and tumors is microscopic and you can't see it. Uh, so annual stools for occult blood uh, have been around for a very long time uh, and, it, and is an accepted screening strategy. Uh, the other strategy for average risk individuals is a colonoscopy uh, starting at age 50 and if negative every 10 years thereafter until you hit 75 or so. And with colonoscopy uh, is somewhat unique uh, in that it is more invasive, but it not only involves detecting cancer and polyps, but removing polyps to prevent colon cancer. So it, it's very unique. But to compare the sensitivities of these tests, uh, the, the annual stool for occult blood will miss approximately 20% of colon cancers that are present and will miss approximately 60% of polyps, including 40% of advanced polyps that may become cancerous in the next year or two. So sensitivity-wise, it's, it's the lowest, and that's comparing it to colonoscopy as the gold standard with nearly 100% detection. Uh, the Cologuard test, the DNA slash stool uh, blood test, uh, offered every three years, will miss 8% of cancers. And in the fine print in their television commercials, they tell you that. They will still miss 40% of polyps. So uh, compared to colonoscopy. So in addition to not being able to intervene with any of these tests, the sensitivity for lesions is really not that great uh, to be promoted as, as vigorously as they are. The other issue is uh, this 10-year screening colonoscopy is required or mandatory if you have a positive result on the blood test or on the Cologuard test. And unfortunately, in, in uh, American medicine, that will mean a higher copay for the individual when, when he or she is referred for a colonoscopy. It is no longer what we call a screening colonoscopy. It becomes a diagnostic colonoscopy. And we have had patients who have literally refused to undergo colonoscopy when they're told that, when they were referred to us with a positive test because they were not advised in advance of that. Let me stop right there just to clarify, to, to not clarify, but to highlight that. So I'm a 51-year-old, and I decide to get a screening colonoscopy, which is fine. And I go and I, that's under considered screening and health maintenance and you take care of me. But if I have a positive stools test and I undergo the same procedure, now it's a diagnostic procedure and potentially, or more than likely, that, that my out-of-pocket expense might be greater. Is it, that, am I describing that accurately? That is absolutely true and a sad statement considering that there's no difference in the procedure from my perspective, 
from the site's perspective, that's absolutely true. That's that's a kernel of uh, knowledge that we we do need to. I'm glad I'm glad we're making people aware of that. So uh, again, so colonoscopy would be the the end result of any positive test, or it should be. Uh, certainly, is concerning when people refuse that. You know, the false positive rate for Cologuard is well over 10%. So we may do a scope following a positive Cologuard or a positive blood test and find nothing. Uh, but it certainly does increase the risk that we're going to find a serious lesion for these positive tests. So again, we've, we've talked about the sensitivity of these being not so great. So most important take home is 20% missed cancers for the annual blood test in the stool and 8% missed cancer rate for the every three-year uh, color guard test, the man in the box. Uh, but, you know, to show sensitivity is one thing and, and proving value in terms of saved lives is another. So I would like to take a look at, at some graphics that we have and kind of go through the proof of the pudding. Yeah, we can bring those up uh, and the viewers should be able to see this. But for the listeners, it is a uh, uh, screening method and frequency and, and the benefit or the risk of missing uh, lesions and influencing mortality and the presence of cancer. I'll, t I'll, get, I'll defer to you, Dean, to bring us through this these graphs. Sure. So what I wanted to concentrate were on the three most common uh, methods for colon cancer screening. So these tables refer to uh, per one per 1,000 patients screened by any method. So taking it through first, looking at uh, annual stool for uh, microscopic blood to look at life years gained if you did that versus no screening. Uh, certainly life years gained would be 292 per 1,000 screened if you did an annual stool for occult blood. Comparing that to the Cologuard DNA and occult blood test every three years, you, you actually have a lower benefit, still substantial though, 278 life years gained. Now comparing all of those to doing a colonoscopy just every 10 years, uh, life years gained is significantly greater. 310 life years gained per 1,000 patients screened just by doing a colonoscopy every 10 years. You know, and, and I don't need to tell you or our viewers that what is the likelihood of someone complying with a, an annual test for blood in the stool? What's even the likelihood of, of complying with an every three-year test for DNA in the stool? It's easier to go every 10 years for a colonoscopy. So, time goes so fast. I mean, the time just flies by, particularly as you get older, and th that's going to get missed. Absolutely. So then if you look at uh, cancers averted uh, by the same strategies per uh, 1,000, uh, for occult blood testing, you're, you're going to uh, avoid creating 47 cancers per 1,000. For the Cologuard, again, lower, 44. And colonoscopy, you're going to avoid 58 colon cancers. Uh, so a substantial gain for that. And, and now probably the most important number that we all want to avoid, death from colon cancer. Again, you, you see a significant benefit uh, for all screening modalities, but for blood in the stool every year, 25 deaths avoided. 
for color guard every three years, 24, but for colonoscopy just once every 10 years, assuming a negative test, 27 deaths uh, averted per 1,000 people screened. So by any method, you know, if you're just looking at uh, sensitivity of the test uh, versus true benefit of the test, colonoscopy is by far the gold standard and quite likely may be the most cost-effective option as well. You know, I, I think what you hear back from patients uh, is, well, I have to drink that prep. Um, and my cavalier or uh, the cynical remark is that, that that prep may be uncomfortable, but so is metastatic colon cancer. And I would rather drink the prep than have metastatic colon cancer. You must, you must have uh, heard my remarks then equally cynical I, because... Uh, chemotherapy tastes bad too. Yes, absolutely. You know, and, and it, it it just the the upside to doing the colonoscopy is just it, it's there, there's it checks so many of the boxes that you want to get checked for your patient or for yourself and for your family. I think that I think that's the important thing to 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 recognize. So if I have a history of a polyp precancerous, but uh, I have a polyp removed, then the cologuard is kind of ridiculous for me to do. I should just be surveyed with colonoscopy, right? Correct. So what we've been talking about so far is, is uh, colonoscopy as a screen where it ends up being negative. So you have your colonoscopy and you're found to have precancerous polyps. So that puts you in a different category. So that's no longer a screening category. That's a high risk category because your lifetime risk for colon cancer becomes greater if you've had precancerous polyps. So that takes you out of all of these non-invasive testing. So you should never be offered a cologuard or a stool for occult blood test as a screen if you've had precancerous polyps, because the reality is that we would then recommend interval colonoscopy. And that interval is, is variable depending upon the size and types of polyps that you had. So it can be anywhere from a year uh, to seven years, uh, depending upon the degree of risk that those polyps removed imply. And I, I don't, and I don't think we can overemphasize the fact that the colonoscopy is not only potentially diagnostic, but also therapeutic. You can remove the polyp or even the cancer at that time. Uh, well, correct. I mean, rarely we'll find cancer within a polyp and the cancer itself is far enough away from the resection line of the polyp that it, it, it removes cancer. But yes, colonoscopy is unique in that by fully removing precancerous polyps, we're drastically reducing the potential for that individual to develop a colon cancer, especially if they keep up to date with the surveillance scopes in the future. And, and so you, you you completed the prep, uh, you show up for the procedure. We had take safety measures to prevent the transmission of not only COVID, but other transmissible diseases. Patients get sleepy medicine during these procedures, correct? Yes, uh, unless they choose not to, which is a rare individual, uh, they are sedated for the procedure. And the goal is not totally uh, sedated like general anesthesia for surgery. Uh, the goal is comfort. So. Uh, we don't mind if people are, are drowsy, awake, able to follow commands, but the, the whole idea is that it'd be a comfortable experience for them and safe. Exactly. Um, the, the benefit has to outweigh the risk, which I think it does. It is uh, so obvious 
and as physicians, we need to be better advocates as primary care providers uh, to to get our patients to get the colonoscopy. That's that's what we want for ourselves and our family members, and therefore we should uh, stress that to our patients as well. You mentioned early on that colon cancer is being seen in younger patients, and this may be simply because we're doing a better job of screening on some aspect. But what 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 is your opinion? What's the why why is that rise being observed? Well, I mean, it's certainly a true rise, uh, a true increase, uh, and it's been shown in other uh, developed countries or highly industrialized countries as well. So over the past 15 to 20 years, uh, the rate of rise for colon cancers in people under age 50 is at least 2% a year, which is similar to the rate of fall uh, for colon cancer in individuals over age 50. And the causes for it are, are purely conjecture. People look at uh, sedentary lifestyles, uh, modern diet, which is low in fiber, high in fat. All sorts of reasons have, have been proposed for it. The bottom line is no one knows, but it's a real phenomenon. Uh, and I should emphasize that it's been known for a very long time that African-Americans have early onset of more aggressive colon cancer. But now we see that Caucasian Americans have caught up, unfortunately, for that early onset colon cancer. So the question becomes, you know, in the absence of any symptoms, when should an individual start to get screened? And probably the answer is age 45 and not 50, again, assuming no symptoms or signs of colon cancer. That screening may not be a colonoscopy because the insurance industry hasn't necessarily caught up with this idea. Uh, even in African-Americans who clearly warranted it. Uh, so that option before age 50 may be a stool, non-invasive stool test, but it is a good idea to talk with your, your family care uh, provider uh, about something beginning at age 45. Clearly the risk is there now. And I, I think also that, you know, we have blood tests for CEAs, carcinoembryonic antigen. That is not a screening process. Let's let's emphasize that. Uh, blood tests for colon cancer is a bit of a, a, the holy grail. Uh, people have been working on it for a long time. I suspect that eventually something will be offered and it'll probably have a sensitivity far below something like Cologuard. So yeah, just confuses the clinical picture. Right. Everything we do is trying to reinvent the wheel to avoid the cocktail that we have you drink, unfortunately. Yes. Um, and I've had patients say, never choose the pineapple flavor because you'll never want to eat anything that tastes like a pineapple the rest of your life. So that's one pearl for the the, the record books. Dr. Abramson, thank you so much for joining me today. This has been great information. Again, this was Dr. Dean Abramson with St. Luke's Gastroenterology. For more information or to schedule your colonoscopy, talk with your primary care provider or contact St. Luke's Gastroenterology at 319-366-8695. Thank you for listening to Live Well Talk On. If you enjoyed this episode, don't forget to subscribe. And if you want to spread the word, please give us a five-star review and tell your family, friends, neighbors, strangers about our podcast. We're available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Pandora, or wherever you get your podcast. Until next time, be well.